Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions preview podcast. It is week 10, Los Angeles Chargers week. Lions coming out of the bye, uh, what are we, six and two? It's hard for me to, to remember those words because it, I don't recall ever saying them before. Uh, by the way, my name is Jeremy Reisman. I am the producer over at prideofdetroit.com. This is your preview podcast. With me as always, co-hosting our First Bite preview podcast is senior editor of Pride of Detroit, is Ryan underscore POD on Twitter is Ryan Matthews. Ryan, it's week 10, baby. The time sure does fly when you're having fun and your football team is winning football games. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. But you kind of want to savor it a little bit more. You do. You do. But, you know, the bye week always goes too fast. And then before you know it, you're back to football, which isn't a bad thing, right? No, we're we're happy about that. Both teams oddly coming off of Monday night tilts. Uh Yeah. But uh, but let's get into this week's opponent. And as always on these preview podcasts, we like to bring in someone from the other side, experts and and things of that nature to help us get to know our opponent. Uh, let's tarry no further and introduce him. He is a writer over at the Bolts from the Blue, the SB Nation podcast for the Chargers. He is at the Kyle D.E. on Twitter. It's Kyle D. There we How go. Are you doing, buddy? Kyle D. Kyle D works. I'm doing great. Jeremy, I, I, I was going to go for it, Kyle. And then I, <laughs> I backed off at the last minute. Oh man. Pre-game. You were talking some game. I thought we had the confidence <laughs> up, man. I thought we had it. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah. Kyle D here. Uh, really excited to be on with you guys. Thanks for inviting me. Uh, thanks for taking the time to, uh, to chat it up. And yeah, I, I just, I want to answer any questions you guys have, maybe pick your guys' brain a little bit. You guys sure. teach me what's going on in Detroit. And um, yeah, I'm fired up, guys. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, um, I'm 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 excited about this podcast because one, I don't know a lot of Chargers fans. Two, the Chargers for decades have been one of the most confounding teams in the NFL that that seem to have a ton of talent. And you're just always wondering why they haven't been able to to get over that hump. And I feel like this is another year where a ton of talent. They start out two and four. Now they're on a two game winning streak. Granted, those are against the Bears and Jets. So. You're going to we're, we're going to hammer you with questions here and and, and you're yeah. going to I'm sure it's not going to be easy because I'm sure some of the stuff puzzles you uh, more than anyone else. But <laughs> let's start with the Chargers offense versus the Lions defense. Let's start with Justin Herbert, uh, a guy, again, that, that people th- thought were, were going to be was going to be that top tier quarterback. Still, I think do think he is very much capable of being that guy, but kind of a tumultuous relationship with Joe Lombardi last year. So now they got Kellen Moore. So what is Justin Herbert look like with Kellen Moore running that offense? I don't think we know. I don't <laughs> think we know yet, to be yeah. honest with you. It's it's really tough uh, because the I would say there's a larger uh, contributor to 
our our success on offense than Joe Lombardi versus Kellen Moore. And it's not even Justin Herbert. I think the second most important player on this team, believe it or not, is Corey Lindsley. Mm-hmm. And when we lose him, you see the offensive line just operate at a completely different level. We're very porous through the middle when that's when that center veteran leadership is gone. Because outside of him, we have a very young offensive line. You're yeah. looking at uh, you know, Rashawn Slater. You know, yeah, he's he balls out, man. But think about what what Rashawn has done in his career as a rookie. He kicked butt, but he missed the previous season because of COVID. So he missed the whole year of football, came back, picked some butt. Sophomore year gets put on the IR, and I think it was the third third game of the season. So he effectively missed an entire other year. So now he's back. So if you think about how much football that guy's played in the last four, it's not very much. Yeah. Moving down the line, you got Zion. He's only got a year under his belt. Jamari Sawyer playing at right guard. He was left tackle last year. Uh, and then and Trey Pipkins, who's, you know, he's only had that one year as a full-time starter. And he did better than expected, but he still has taken forever to break through. So there's not a lot of playing experience on that line. When you take out the one guy that's been like a stout player, veteran presence for a very long time that can coach those guys up, we miss it and it hurts. So I, I don't, to answer your question, Jeremy, I don't know where this offense is going to continue to trend down the season as we go. Um, I'm hoping that Kellen Moore can help pick things up a little bit, but a lot of our early optimism with the running game, which we had in the preseason, that was looking like it was on fire. And then against Miami, it was. Um, And a couple other areas, downfield threats, those kind of things haven't materialized yet. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, let's talk a little bit more about <clears throat> Herbert specifically because I know he he injures uh, he injures that thumb in the in the Raiders game. Um, how has that kind of affected him since then, and and how has he been able to to navigate things um, over over the course of the past month with that injury? We don't want to excuse his play too much because we did that all last year. <laughs> you know, Herbert was playing with that torn rib cartilage or fractured yeah. rib cartilage, and we did a lot of excusing some, you know, yips in the pocket and some questionable decision-making and just in general, just a little bit less, uh, you know, lesser performance than what we were used to from him. And we're really hoping that regardless of what's going on with that finger, that he is just going to be able to rise above it because we're, we, you know, it's, we don't want to be that team and that fan base that keeps excusing play because of injuries. What you can notice is he's had a little bit of trouble when he's under center. Um, He has slipped up with the ball there, but in terms of how he's, you know, how he's reacting in the pocket and things and everything else, I I don't think his diminished play as of late, because even though he's, he's been efficient with the ball, he hasn't turned it over. He hasn't made a ton of mistakes. His accuracy hasn't been what it should be but at least he's protecting the ball, but it's still not that gunslinger that we saw in his rookie season and most of the way through his uh, sophomore season as well. So I don't want to excuse it because of the finger. I would just, you know, when he is under center, just let your D line know, Hey guys, there's, there's a chance here. There's a chance for something. So stay hungry. Yeah. And I think, I think Dan Campbell was talking about that this week and how they've pretty much not, maybe not completely, but almost entirely gone shotgun since, (laughs) since the injury and, and, that that's something that that seems kind of interesting, you know, especially if the the Chargers have to go into a, a third and short situation. Are they still going to be in a shotgun snap, or are they are they going to risk, um, you know, something with with Justin Herbert's finger? But um, 
I, I think maybe a, another plausible excuse for maybe Justin Herbert not breaking out yet this year is the wide receiving core. Uh, what was very promising at the beginning of the year, you got obviously Keenan Allen, you got Josh Palmer, you got Mike Williams. Now Josh Palmer and Mike Williams are on IR. It's It seems to be all on Mike Williams, or I'm sorry, on Keenan Allen's shoulders. So tell me, how is he still doing it? If If, if everyone knows he's Justin Herbert's favorite target, he's 31 years old, how is he still being as productive as he is? Man, he's just, he is a, he's a different kind of receiver that doesn't rely on speed that, you know, some other guys, like, I don't want to, I don't want to knock another receiver, but like Tyree kills a guy that you would think, man, if he loses a couple steps, you might see a regression in play because that's really what he brings to the table. Right. What Keenan Allen brings is incredible hands, number one, but he also is a savant at running routes. He it, he does certain things throughout the course of a game to set up his cornerbacks or defenders to bite one direction and then sends him somewhere else. Like he treats it like a science, almost like a pass rusher does when taking on a tackle or a guard. Um, so Keenan Allen is just a very cerebral player in that sense. So there's hope that he's able to extend his career a little longer than your average, uh, you know, wide receiver would as he gets as he gets up there in age. And you know, he's I think next year's his contract year. So he's one of those guys we're wondering, okay, when Chargers go into the offseason with our cap hell situation, are we going to need to? I mean, it might be Mike Williams last year with us because of that. Are they going to look to do something with Keenan, like potentially extend him to kick the can down the road? Or how do we keep uh, the band together as much as possible moving forward? Yeah, that's interesting, Kyle. And the other thing I think, too, a lot of people look at that wide receiver depth chart and they wonder, okay, yeah, the Mike Williams injury. Yeah, the, the Josh Palmer injury. But, hey, you know, the Chargers did draft a wide receiver in the first round in Quentin Johnston. What has kind of been... Um, kind of the explanation for maybe his his kind of slow start so far in uh, in his first season. I I just I hate being that guy, but uh, you know if I had to give you my honest answer, it's because the fan base is. I hate speaking for the, for the fan base, but what I could tell you was like trending in Chargers Twitter and on Bolts from the Blue was uh, why did we pass up? guys that could have come in and played a different role in this offense um you know we needed a, a guy that had speed uh you know what we love to liken tom telesco's philosophy with drafting is like he's at the playground picking a basketball team you know he's not playing football he's playing basketball and he's he loves that big bodied slower kind of possession type receiver and man, that is like driving through residential in a Ferrari. Um, you got Justin Herbert's arm, man, and you yeah. can't, you cannot switch gears. You can't do anything with it. And it's the, what, what blew my mind guys is, um, you know, I, I really believe Justin's the kind of talent that when you put a player that fits his potential mold on his roster, he will get the most out of it. Like a Jalen Guyton's an undrafted free agent that just had speed and he turned Jalen Guyton into a threat. Uh, T Billy. I don't know if you guys remember that. He's an undrafted free agent. Um, he's bounced around the league, hasn't been able to make it back on a roster. But when he was on the Chargers roster with Herbert throwing bombs to him, the dude was a legitimate threat. So I was really into trying to pick up a guy like uh, Andre Yoshivas, uh, Yoshivas, uh, 6'3, traits guy out of Princeton, very fast, went to the Bengals, has two touchdowns and two weekends. 
hate that we missed him. But if they would have picked instead of one stud wide receiver in the first, just a couple traits guy uh, in, on day three, I think they would have been better off. Uh, I would actually be watching out for Darius Davis personally. Mm. Uh, I think that guy is the guy that at some point when Kellen Moore figures it out, like, hey, I'm not going to listen to the Spanos or the Telesco crowd that's telling me I need to get these basketball guys doing basketball things and start really unleashing um, a smaller guy with speed and playmaking ability. Uh, Darius Davis will have a, a chance to kind of break out. Interesting. Um, you never know. I mean, it it could happen. It, it's a short week, obviously, for the Chargers. So who knows if they're good, they're going to unleash anything new. But um, I always like kind of those hidden, you know, maybe not hidden gems, but the, those hidden guys that, that that could break out in the second half of the season. If we're talking rookie class, a lot of times this is a this is around the time where they start turning corners, where they start building, and so that's a that's a good little tip there. Um, you, you mentioned the the offensive line a little bit already. Um, and and I kind of want to dig a little bit further into that, particularly when it comes to pass protection, because Rashawn Slater, uh, I know Ryan was a huge fan in, in the pre-draft process. The, the, the Lions picked Panay Sewell over him. I think both teams are are very happy with their choices. Um, but the Lions like to like like to line up Aiden Hutchinson on the other side. And so I'm not sure how much we're going to get that kind of marquee matchup. So tell me more about Trey Pipkins and, and I guess your confidence level against Aiden Hutchinson, so Aiden Hutchinson this week. Trey Pipkins did a great job last season. Trey Pipkins hasn't done a great job this season. Mm. It's, there's been a uh, Jekyll and Hyde situation going on. Uh, he he re-signed for a decent contract, but uh, the Chargers probably paid him on their projection of his performance based on what we saw when he wasn't hurt. Mm. And then he hurt his knee and actually gutted out a warrior season last year. He he was getting pulled off the uh, field at times and we'd all be sitting there holding our breath. Like, Oh gosh, got to have foster Sorrell go back out there. And when we have will clap at center and foster Sorrell at right tackle, we're done. That's it. That's the game, you know, seal it. Um, But he would basically, he would will himself back onto the field and just showed the most warrior spirit and did a great job considering that, you know, problem he had in his knee this season. I don't know what's going on. Um, Initially he had this Ascension last year after three years of not really playing. And when he did play, looked like he just didn't have the fundamental or foundational strength at the point of impact and taking on a pass rusher um, to succeed at this level. But then he went to Duke Mannyweather's camp and completely turned it around. All of a sudden when um, he would engage with a pass rusher or even in the run game, you wouldn't see him fold back like a beach chair. Um, Sorry guys. That's a Southern California reference for you there. (laughs) Probably not appropriate, but uh, we'll we'll November. <laughs> well, like I said, man, it's hot enough here. Uh, to all of our viewers, uh, I am on fire watch right now. We're actually dealing with fi- wildfires in San Diego this week, so it's fun stuff. But, um, but yeah, the bolded back like a lawn chair this year. Um, he went back to Manny Weather's camp, but we're seeing this. We're it's, I wouldn't say it's as bad as it was before, but he's been a little bit of a turnstile. So Hutchinson has a huge opportunity and. You know, without Lindsley making the adjustments at the line, I'd also expect a couple mishaps and uh, miscommunications as well. Uh, they haven't been very good at picking up stunts. So if you guys are stunt heavy, that's going to be to your advantage. And um, yeah, I between between Trey not doing as well and Will Clapp 
being Will Clapp, who's a serviceable spot guy, but just not somebody you want starting multiple games. I would feel good about that side of the ball if I was a Detroit fan. So, Kyle, let's circle back to the the running game uh, for the Chargers real quick. I, I know you mentioned earlier, you know, they had things rolling with uh, the, the first game of the season, right? You know, they're playing the Dolphins, rushed for 233 yards on 40 carries. Um, since then, not so good. Um, is it as simple as explaining it in very simple terms, like Austin Eckler was hurt, had an ankle injury, and that's why the run game fell apart? Is it as easy as that, or is it a little bit more complex? Probably a little. It's probably a little bit more complex. I think there's a lot of validity to what you said. Joshua Kelly hasn't been able to break out as a starter. He's had a good impact. He's had an okay impact on games to a good impact on games when he's been our spellback. Uh, when he's in that role, it seems like he's a little more confident in just being who he is, and that's a one-cut back. When he is starting, I think he tries to do a little too much, and it gets a little it's a little too in his head. Uh, with that, it gets back to Corey Lindsley being out of the lineup. Even though Corey's not the best run blocker, he is more of a pass protector. He's There's a cerebral aspect to his game uh that is to any center's game uh that can help lift the whole offensive line and the chargers also haven't been the most physically imposing team uh in the la- over the last couple of years the running game is something that we've struggled with for a while now ever since we really let melvin gordon go the running game has really been led by who i see as more of a scat back I would love for the Chargers to have a little bit of thunder and lightning uh, with a, you know, I I really wanted a Rashawn Johnson type guy, uh, somebody that could be a battering ram to mix in with what Eckler does because Eckler's not a, not a, your typical, you know, featured workhorse running back. He just isn't, he's not a bell cow, Uh, but he's amazing at what he does. And what he is, is somebody you can be very creative with and, and make, make a, turn into a playmaker he's a great running back to have almost what you guys have with montgomery and gibbs right. i mean That's we can put say, them yeah. both on the field at the same we can put him and somebody else on the field and eckler can succeed in the slot or even out wide sometimes so right it's it yeah. is what and it so is. so you wouldn't say that that joshua kelly is is the thunder by any means to to that duo he can be a serviceable spell back but yeah. he's not He's not lifting it up. He's not going to, there's not going to be a thousand yard rusher on that offense when he's the number two. Got it. Um, All right. Before we head to our first break here, um, I like to ask this question to kind of end up the the segment. If you're, you're scouting the Lions defense, what is, what is the one your maybe your biggest concern given the, the, the Chargers strengths and weaknesses? So if I'm the, if I'm uh, Brandon Staley or if I'm Dan Campbell, if you're Brandon Staley, what are, what are you concerned about? With, with the Lions defense going into this one? Oh, it's your front. Yeah. It's absolutely your front. Uh, it's your front versus our, versus our front because right now it's been a problem. And there's – the Chargers haven't – the Chargers have really stagnated on offense on all fronts. So what I'm most concerned about is your guys' offense and what how that could potentially dictate this game. Mm. But uh, but I am concerned about that Hutchinson-Pipkins matchup more so than anything else. Fair enough. We'll get into that Lions offense next when we come back here on First Bite with Kyle D. 
We'll be right back. We are back here on First Bite, previewing Lions Chargers here with Kyle D. Uh, let's flip things around. We talked about the Chargers offense versus Lions defense. Now, Lions offense versus Chargers defense. Um, while I think the the highlight of the Chargers show is their pass rush, I want to avoid that for a second. Talk about the run defense, because that has also been pretty good statistically, but it also depends on what stats you look at. And so this is one of these times where some of the stats don't match some of the other stats and I'd like your explanation for it. So chargers six in yards per carry allowed six in yards per game allowed, but DVOA, which is one of my favorite statistics has them 20th, which they, I, I mean, is this my, I guess my, my theory is that because DVOA is defense adjusted is it's opponent adjusted. My guess just means that the chargers haven't played a lot of good run offenses. Is that accurate or, or how, is there maybe something that I'm missing or is DVOA just lying to me? Before I dive into that, can I just ask, were we just during that break, were we off camera and now we're on camera for people and have <laughs> no. all this crap on our head? Or, no. or, or has everyone seen the whole process? Everyone has seen the whole process except okay. for the audio version, the the, the okay. podcast version. They don't know what you're talking about, but we have stuff okay. written all over our faces um, okay. because of awesome. our Movember thing. <laughs> right on, right on. Uh, had to ask, had to ask, but, um, so it's a great question. Um, I I'm not there yet with the run D I, I think kind of like you said, we've had lesser competition the last couple weeks. Yeah. Um, uh, we've the, the, the very frustrating thing for charger fans right now is that Brandon Staley has this defensive ideology and we haven't been living up to it. Hmm. We are a team that believes in putting a roof on the offense, basically putting, you know, uh, putting some over the top help. We typically will take a lineman or a linebacker off the field and plug in an extra either safety or cornerback could be either just an extra defensive back to really flood one side of the field with a match pattern, like zone coverage scheme. It's kind of match pattern is kind of a complicated scheme to play. And we've seen the guys struggle with learning it kind of like a zone man hybrid. Um, and then the other side will be just in man coverage. So the guys have been giving up a ton of yardage uh, in the passing game, even though we've had that extra defensive back on the field. Mm -hmm. So that's just where they've been really taking advantage of our defense so far. It's there hasn't been, I don't think a need for the better teams to run against us. Um, and the lesser teams have just struggled in general. So we haven't been tested. I am fired up about this game because I'm I'm tired of, even though it's great that we got momentum from the Bears and the Jets, not, uh, over at Bolts from the Blue, none of us know what we have. Right. We have no idea. So you guys are an amazing test for us to really give us a good, mean, gritty team that's going to, you know, really give it to us in the trenches. And I want to see how our boys respond. Yeah. So, so with that said, Kyle, um, 
if, if we can make the transition, Jeremy, to, to talking about those elite pass rushers, because I feel like we should like not ignore that any for it's Khalil Mack. It's Joey Bosa. Like these are two prime time, big time, you know, marquee players. Um, <clears throat> what can you kind of tell us about, you know, you know, how they've been deploying them, how they've been using them. Um, maybe talk a little bit about maybe Joey's slow start to the season with injury, but it seems like he's kind of ramping up and he's starting to kind of return to form. Um, I mean, Cleo Mack had that incredible game against the Raiders where he had an Aiden O'Connell, I mean, pretty much buried under SoFi Stadium. Um, and they exhumed him for the rest of the season. But um let us know what the lines are in store for with those pass rushers, because you, you see it on a surface level and it's like, those guys are going to make hate each and every week. Yeah. So it's, and the crazy thing is, you know, we've been waiting for the Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack pairing to come alive since they traded for him. But then Joey was hurt pretty much all last season. And even when he came back, he got hurt again. Uh, this seat. So fan, the fan base has just been dying to see those two come together and dominate. And guys, the reality for this team right now is, I don't know how closely you guys follow, like, I don't know why you would, other teams' salary cap situations, but we basically had the decision last year to either realize that we screwed up and probably get rid of a player or two to then be able to re-sign some internal guys and be able to make the transition to start adjusting for having to account for an elevated quarterback cap hit with Justin Herbert's, you know, cap now starting to be on par with a veteran quarterback in the next couple of years. Instead, they just restructured uh, four contracts, which is something they've never done. I think Joey Bosa, or sorry, Khalil Max restructured the year before, I think was the first time that they've done that. They're not a team that pushes money into the future. Um, they pushed $40 million worth of cap into the next two years, 33 next year, seven next year. So we're probably not going to get the Joey Bosa, Khalil Mack pairing next year. So this is kind of the year where we really, really want to see it go down. And not only did those two come alive, but Tui Tuopolotu has been an absolute revelation. And that is who Detroit fans need to watch out for next week. Um, even though, you know, Ryan, you brought up a good point that Joey's been hurt this season. But if you actually look at his production, it hasn't been light. And it's because Tuli's been able to come in. And while Joey's recovering from injury, he's been just deployed in a pass rush specialist role. They've kept him off the field for rundowns. They've let him just come in and save his energy, save his body. And he's actually responded really well to it. In um, the Tennessee game, he only took 19 snaps. He got to the quarterback twice. Uh, two sacks, not just a hurry, but he actually brought down the quarterback twice. So this spell role for Joey, rotational role, has helped keep him fresh. And now that he's ramping up again, it's been very encouraging to see. Um, so... Yes, Joey Khalil, great. But watch Thule because he's our young second draft, second uh, round rookie that has been, you know, he's not the most, um, you know, refined with his pass rush moves, but the dude's got a motor like no other. And he and Joey are forming this really bromantic relationship that's awesome to see. They're celebrating each other, doing each other's dances. It's awesome, man. Well, it should be one of the marquee matchups this week, obviously, with, with Panay Sewell and, and Taylor Decker both playing at the top of their games as well. Um, and, and yeah, it feels like 
I don't know. It feels like Ryan, maybe, maybe you feel similar. It feels like every week there's, there, there is this matchup and, you know, the Lions did an okay get, job against Max Crosby when it came to pass protection, but he was kind of a menace in the run game. And, and, and I'll check in with you here, Kyle. Like, I feel like some of these guys are just as good at run defense as they are in pass protection, in particular, Khalil Mack. I mean, we're obviously more than familiar with that guy with, with all the years he terrorized us in, in, in Chicago. Is that, is that accurate to say that, that these guys can also play the run pretty well? Yeah. Thule's been splitting his, uh, his assignments pretty effectively. Joey sometimes can be a little uh, overly excited to win with a spin move and give away the, uh, the outside, like kind of take away the containment. So on some, if you send a couple kind of off tackle runs his direction, sometimes he will blow it. He has been less of a run defender the last couple of years. But um, he also addressed that in the offseason that he wanted to add a little bit more weight and do better in that regard. So it's tough to say where he's at right now. There's been some games where I've been like, Joey, what are you doing? There's been some games where he's looked a little better. Uh, but uh, now that he's uh, but I also saw a very different Joey Bosa last week than I've seen in the last year and a half. He did look healthy and unimpaired for the first time in forever. So I'm very curious to see how he comes out. So can let's move to the back end of the Chargers defense because the secondary really, really intrigues me from, from this standpoint. Let, let's start at the beginning. JC Jackson. What happened there, Kyle? Like, I mean, big high profile free agent, big price tag, and then he's back to New England. Like what, what what's up with that? It's it's an even more heartbreaking story than you might realize because the Chargers fan base was so behind him this last offseason because um, the guy, you know, got a, had a terrible knee injury sucks. Um, but and then during and he struggled last year, he was not looking good to begin with. Um, it looked like just a very poor assessment of his skill set by Brandon Staley. Uh, with that match pattern style of play, you know, he's not somebody that can just um, that that excels in that like different scenario where, hey, sometimes we're going to have you play zone. So you're going to have to watch these guys pick up on a key and then figure out which player you're going to stick with in the match pattern um, and plays off the ball a lot, which I think in New England, he was more of kind of like a presser, kind of more in your face type cornerback. Um, in Brandon Staley's scheme, that wasn't the case. He struggled with it. and. Some stuff came out like, oh, I need to go hit the playbook harder. We're like, dude, it's week six. Like that the time for the playbook was in the offseason. What are you talking about? But then he got hurt. It was a big time bummer. He was posting rehab videos of himself decked out in Chargers gear, working his butt off in the offseason. So everyone was like, dude, this is going to be the reclamation story of the year. This is going to be sick. Like we're going to have the comeback player. Awesome. Not the award you want, but it's something for us because yeah. we don't get too many of those. <laughs> Um, but, uh, he, uh, came back and from the get-go was blowing assignments again, couldn't really figure out the match pattern. Um, was just, you got torched by Tyree kill. I blame that on the coaching staff. I don't know why you would allow a guy that's recovering from, you know, patellar tendon surgery right. or a tear, um in his first game back in what was a pretty accelerated schedule to return to play to take on literally the one 
the one guy in the league you should not be covering until you're very confident in that leg. And there were a couple routes that as a guy that's blown his ACL and meniscus, I can kind of recognize when you're favoring something or just don't have the confidence to plant and push. And that's what he looked like to me. Um, what was disappointing to me was they, you know, he had a legal case where I think he missed the game, even though Brandon Staley claimed that his, um, him not being activated to the game day roster or just, or was a healthy scratch effectively um, was not because of this court case. There was a warrant out for his arrest in new England um, during one of our games. So he wasn't activated for that one or wasn't playing in that game. And then he was kind of in the doghouse trying to earn his way back. And it just never happened. And the final straw was him saying he wasn't going to go in and play when Michael Davis uh, got banged up on a play. He was benched. Um, they tried to tell him to go in and take some snaps for Mike to give Mike a breather. And he said, no. And that ultimately let him led to him being shipped out. Why the heck they didn't void his contract then? Because that would be failure to, you know, crew your services or failure to uphold your contract with both the, with both that warrant for his arrest that was out there and saying no to going in and playing while your player's injured. In my mind, those are two reasons why, you, you know, the NFLPA would recognize, you might try to arbitrate it, but, right. you know, normally that is a reason why you were allowed to avoid a contract. Instead, we restructured it, gave him an $8 million check and told him to enjoy his time in New England, which. I'm, I'm sure yeah. you love, I'm sure you love him going to New England too, of all places. Right. You, you gotta love that, right? Yeah. So how how have they pivoted though from I mean you had the expectation that he's going to be a big time player. How have the Chargers kind of picked up the pieces in the aftermath of okay, now we got to go to plan B. Michael Davis when they brought him in, Michael Davis was struggling in his first year under Brandon Staley's scheme. And but before under Gus Bradley's, he had done very well and was one of our better cornerbacks. He was an undrafted free agent. He's not a guy, not a household name, but he's a bigger cornerback. He's got speed, good traits, and he really developed and, and did well. And even after that first down year, which kind of led to them bringing in JC Jackson, he did improve. So the defensive backfield didn't really, I, I wouldn't say it didn't miss a step last year, but it did, um, it did just fine and actually performed a little bit better in the weeks after he left. Um, Jasir Taylor is a, was a six round draft pick. He's a guy to definitely keep your eye on because he's, he's a very, you know, I'd say high motor guy. He's, he's got a good, he's a, he's our slot cornerback. He's got a good nose for the football. He really tries to impact the run game. I wouldn't say he's like, he's not coming in and slamming running backs, but he's willing. And he's a very cerebral special teamers his success on special teams is actually what led to them giving him a shot so the pairing of asante samuel is a ball hawk on the boundary michael davis kind of filling that role that jc jackson was supposed to play and jasir taylor and the slot was serviceable enough the problem is this year michael davis has been allowing a lot of cushion and a lot of catches giving up a lot of yards so the cornerbacks haven't been performing to the degree we would have expected even if they just carried over what they did last year but uh, alohi gilman coming in as a safety has been a 
he's been, you know, bad pun, a lightning rod. The guy's been killing it. So very excited to see how he develops. And I hope they're able to extend him, even though we have no money next year. (laughs) All right. Uh, We are going to close things out with uh, one of my favorite segments that we do across all podcasts. And it's called the one thing we think we know, which is not a straight up prediction unless you want it to be. It is a prediction about any aspect of the game. You can predict Justin Herbert's going to throw three interceptions. You can predict Austin Eckler is going to get three touchdowns. You can predict Aiden Hutchinson is going to get 15 sacks. Or you can predict the winner. But we each take a turn claiming the one thing we think we know because we're springing this on you, Kyle. Forgot to tell you about it pre-show. We're going to make Ryan go first. We actually make him go first every time, but I wanted to make it seem like it's a favor to you. Ryan, what is the one thing you think you know for Lions Chargers? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about the one thing we think we know. The one thing that I think I know, Jeremy, the, the over under for this game is set at 48 and a half points over, over, over. I know that teams are scoring at a lower clip than they have in man. It's like almost 20 years. I think I saw, I was like, yeah, since 2007, like offense is way down, but here's the thing. You look at some of the games where the chargers have given up boatloads of points, the dolphins, They've given up a lot of points to. They gave up a lot of points to Kansas City. Two teams in the top 10 in DVOA for offense. Who have the Lions given up a lot of points to? The Seattle Seahawks. And also the Baltimore Ravens. Two teams in the top 10 in uh, DVOA on offense. What what do these two teams this week have in common, Jeremy? I'm guessing they're both top 10 offenses in DVOA. You got that right, my friend. So I think that like 48 okay. and a half is just a low number. I think that both these teams are going to are going to score points. I really do. So I'm going to say over uh, 48 and a half for sure. Interesting. A little shootout on the West Coast this week. I, I like it. I, I You know, it's it's the game of the week for CBS. They, they're sending their their first team broadcasters. And I'm, I'm sure they'd love that. They got a, a officiating crew that throws a lot of flags. So maybe oh. like some 70 yard pass interference Why? plays, you know? Why would you even say that when you know that hurts me? <laughs> I hate that. Um, all right, Kyle, we we make you go second here. Uh, what is the one thing you think you know about Lions Chargers? Yeah, um, I hope this doesn't seem like a cop out. But they often say that uh, the turnover differential is what's going to win a game. I think this game is going to be about who gets the most sacks. I think the team that gets to the quarterback the most is going to win because I think for both teams, that is a strength they're bringing to the game. And it's going to be a battle of, you know, who's able to flex that strength more than the other. It's a good one. No. And and what the Chargers, I believe, are second in the NFL with 31 sacks. The Lions only have 21. But interestingly enough, I believe 17 or 18 of those have come in three games. The other three or four were in, um, spread across the other five games. So it's very hit and miss. Um, but it sounds like maybe there's an opportunity for this to be one of those hit weeks. And Jeremy, how many of those were given up to backup quarterbacks? That's, That's also another- Yes, like true. How much do you, how much weight do you put on that? So that's we'll true. See. It's a very good point. Uh, the one thing I think I know is that I think the lines are going to expose that this Chargers run defense isn't as good as their statistics show. I feel like they're going to have David Montgomery. They're going to have Jameer Gibbs. We're going to see both those guys get a heavy share. I think even though teams have attacked the Chargers team by passing the ball a lot, that's not what the lines are going to do. That's, I mean, that's, I don't think the lines are going to stray from who they are and who they are as a team that likes to be that physically imposing team that I'm not sure if the chargers can keep up with up the middle. 
the edges are going to be tough. We, we, we just talked about how good they are on the edges, um, both in terms of pass rush and run defense. That's going to be tough, but they're going to try to run up the middle with David Montgomery. They're going to try to do the same thing with Jameer Gibbs, and they're going to probably put both those guys out on the field at some point as well at the same time. And then you don't really know what's coming, but that's what I think I know for this matchup. Kyle, before we let you go, I want to give you an opportunity to promote your stuff, promote where, wherever your, your, your content is, whatever content is out there, whether it's bolts of the, from the blue or whatever you want to promote your real estate. That's fine too. Yeah. If you're looking to buy or sell in Southern California, um, <laughs> no, I, I, uh, yeah, I am a real estate agent by trade. So thanks for throwing that out there uh, and home flipper. So if you're into those HGTV shows, that's, that's what I do. And it's, uh, it's crazy. There you um, go. But, uh, While I'm in LA, I'll try to see if I can get you a reality show. There you go. Please, please. <laughs> um, and, uh, no, but uh, I'm on Bolts from the Blue. It's our, you know, our version of your guys's Pride of Detroit uh, over at SB Nation. Um, I'm just noodling around on there and on Twitter at the Kyle D. It didn't mean for that to sound kind of dickish. I don't really like <laughs> the Kyle D, but you know, seen my last name and, and there's yeah. no other way. There's not too many ways to abbreviate it that makes sense. And Kyle D was already taken, and Kyle D. So at the Kyle D is what I'm stuck with. And you guys have the honor, by the way, of having Arif Hassan write for you a little bit right now. And yeah. he's, he's one of my favorite people that, that write in the NFL. So um, if, you, if you want more Kyle, if you want some more Arif, definitely go ch- check out their site over there because they do a great job over there. Awesome. Thanks again for having me, guys. Of course. Uh, well, it's time to get out of here for our uh, podcast audience. We have some things to take care of for our live audience. So again, this is another plug. You should be watching the show live on twitch.tv slash Pride of Detroit or youtube.com slash at Pride of Detroit. But for our podcast audience, thank you for listening. It's chaos. Be kind. <laughs>